Welcome to the Shaky Experience. My name is James Richard Lane. Today, we'll be speaking volume with Steve Bays. Steve is a musician and recording engineer from British Columbia, Canada. He may be most recognized for the frontman and songwriter of Hot Hot Heat, which have released music with Sub Pop and Warner Brothers. The band has five full-length albums, a handful of EPs, and several of incredible hit singles that you very likely know. He's notably toured across the country with Foo Fighters, Weezer, The Killers, and Snow Patrol. He's performed major festivals, including Coachella and Glastonbury. His band were previously on the front cover of Enemy, have been featured in countless other publications, and he's done a lot. It's it's pretty awesome. Steve owns and operates his own recording studio, Tugboat Place Studio, where he has worked with artists, including Diplo, Steve Aoki, Fits in the Tantrum, and many others. And he has a couple of side projects, Fur Trade, Mounties, and Left Field Messiah, which I've had a chance to check out all of them. They are all good. It's pretty awesome. Left Field Messiah, really, really interesting project too. I hope to talk a little bit about that. This guy has done a lot. He has done a lot, a lot of things. And he's even been nominated for a Juno Award on four different occasions. It's an absolute pleasure, honor, privilege to have him on i'm so grateful without further ado steve welcome to the show how are you doing doing great after hearing you read off <laughs> read off all that it's like oh okay. yeah that's kind of maybe like the intro you wake up out of bed and that just plays or something like that just a friendly reminder of like all the awesome things that you've been a part of over the years oh man i i should start start doing that i was just watching a youtube video like five minutes ago of this this woman saying like her thing is like you gotta as soon as you wake up go to the mirror and high five yourself and she's like it sounds stupid but i swear to god it works and i was like i don't i don't think i can do that that's not my vibe <laughs> i i usually just like wake up and like think of like a million different things i want to do and something eventually just the adhd shuffles me into something you know oh yeah so classic i kind of love that in a way though high-fiving the mirror i just feel after a while like it would leave kind of an imprint on that mirror of your hand sort of and you're just like i know exactly where i'm gonna put this yeah. that went that went, like as a guy that keeps windex right beside my bathroom mirror because i hate dirty mirrors like that was actually what went through my head it's like uh <laughs> man i love that as well also the adh thing that couldn't be any more true you know i challenge anyone in modern time to say that they don't even have a little bit of adhd from iphones and androids i mean oh, come on like everybody sure. even even before because i didn't know i actually had it like friends would tease me all the time and then i finally was like actually told i had it um like five years ago uh not even and um and then so i did a ton of research into it and yeah it's like one in ten people have it but it, it's the most commonly mis like or underdiagnosed thing apparently yeah it's, it's like the easiest thing to remedy in some ways like it compared to like other things you could have but it's like surprisingly not actually diagnosed enough and it's kind of cool once you know you have it because then there's just certain things that you figure out like uh you know like like it's another like thing about it is like say time blindness for example which yes I've, yeah. I've always had crazy time blindness which has been on one hand a superpower because I can just like come in the studio and spend 12 hours on something and and like for the average person like 12 hours is a long time for me it's just like nothing you know 
but then it's also been like a horrible thing in relationships <laughs> you know like yeah oh yeah so yeah so I'll be in in five minutes and then I'm in in an hour and it's like it gen it genuinely felt like five minutes you know um so but then once you know that about yourself there's little life hacks like you know have clocks everywhere like you have to have clocks everywhere to yeah yeah to kind of like mind yourself and um anyway blah 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 but yeah there's like a lot of I think a lot of people have ADHD that maybe even weren't born with it you know just because we're trained for like these quick dopamine hits from our phones and you know ADHD at the end of the day is essentially a lack of dopamine in your brain which is why like you're always your your brain is saying like something feels wrong so you're looking for like some form of stimulation which is why a, a lot of people with ADHD get into the arts I think just because you know it's like you end up doodling or you end up like fiddling on a guitar or you know like digital recording kind of speaks to you because it it's sort of like a you know a casino slot machine like style type of feedback like oh you do this whoa it sounds like that well even like this like in the last 24 hours I've gotten obsessed with like AI image cre- uh ge- like generating stuff like I like I just made a an album a single artwork cover for a new fur trade single that's coming out this month and uh the the terms that I used I spent like the whole can I just read it to you like what I typed in to please English. I would love that man honestly I do have a lot of fascination towards AI and sort of technology that's coming to fruition I think there's a lot of tools that are so extremely underrated i mean ai is kind of becoming more mainstream but there's a lot of other things that could definitely be accessed and just yeah i don't know no one's doing it yet and i'm very very fascinated to see how the future plays out well like at at first i was in denial about ai and like because i love photography and i love filming like music videos and just any like anything with video or photography it's just been like a little background obsession of mine and I'm like oh man I'm gonna be you know AI is gonna replace me and it's like no it's just it's just you know it's unfortunate that like it's gonna change things um when digital photography was like just starting to get amazing but it's kind of shifting the creativity focus. So, so, okay. Like I don't, are we doing, is this for just audio or are we doing video too? I'm not going to be just audio. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, only I'll you see it anyway. See, see this. Whoa. Oh man. I, I just made that yesterday. Oh, I love that so much. Do you mind reading what you typed in to create that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I sent that to my bandmate Parker and he just yeah. loved it. Right away. And I was like, yes. And he just freaked and loved it. And so, I was like, I spent the whole day typing in all these different terms into this like AI generating art thing. And so the final album cover or single art cover, the thing that I typed in to get there was a 1980s goth punk record album cover with an androgynous male Muppet musician contortionist performer with a Commodore 64 for his head playing chrome synthesizer keyboards on top of a pile of disco balls and one androgynous female Muppet ballerina dancing and playing a neon bass guitar from the 1980s between two giant spider webs. They are wearing very little clothing but their bodies expose broken electronic circuitry and breathing tubes and neon LED strips and neon light bulbs. They are also wearing clothing with metal spikes in fur coats. In this group of and in this group of humans, there are giant female ballerinas from 1980 performing modern dance on tropical leaves. Robots are playing saxophone. 
and recording on 1960s recording equipment in expensive gold jewelry in a tropical jungle. That made the the single art. <laughs> so it's like it's shifting the form of creativity because I, I had to generate probably like, I don't know, like 500 different images like over the course of I probably spent 10 hours. And then finally it made that one. I was like, oh, that's it. You know? Um, wow. Yeah. I really do like that cover a lot. The disco balls are really fun. Plus it just kind of reminds me like anything with like Gothic and disco reminds <laughs> me of this like dance party that I have a friend that he owns a boutique in Denver, but he also hosts this monthly dance party called weird touch. And it yeah. just has like sort of this style to it. I'll have to send it to you later or something. Weird, it weird is touch. that weird. cover is very beautiful and very unique. I'm, I'm excited to see it put out. Yeah. The, it, the record so that's uh that's for a song called signature moves which is coming out like within less than a month um all right and it's off of a record that's coming out in september called dark celebration which kind of is in the zone of weird touch actually when you say weird touch i'm like oh i could see us calling the album weird touch you know if oh man Um, i love that but yeah there's it's like that the whole record every song is is kind of different from one another but overall it's got this um like eight like kind of goth 80s vibe but mixed with pop you know 80s but then like just it sort of has like this i don't know it's got that like kate bush darkness but it still sort of has that like take on me happiness to it yeah yeah totally Uh, and like the lyrics are all about different life experiences um and like some some pretty like because we we both went through like so many heavy life changes over the course of making this record and so it's like this like happy music but with these kind of intense lyrics um so yeah dark celebration is just felt like okay that's got to be the album name what was interesting about listening to fur trade is how significantly different the music is to hot hot heat i mean i did not expect that at all i wasn't even sure what to expect honestly because that's your signature in my opinion is hot hot heat i mean it it was such a big part of your life for so many years very recognized and i was just like man i wonder how his music is going to transition into a different sound is it going to be identical to hot hot heat what's sort of the vibe that's going to come forth here i sincerely mean this when i say this to you you really shattered my expectations like i was i was blown away i was like wow like he actually did something completely way way different than what i anticipated and when i first listened to it i was actually having trouble kind of defining what the sound is not that that's necessary but just why not and i think when i was listening to the first five singles or so on spotify just the album covers feel a lot more darker it kind of reminds me of like a goosebumps book cover or something like that <laughs> that's crazy well like with hot heat it was sort of the sound of four four people like that all had something to prove to themselves that all could have been band leaders in their own you know if like the path went different um and so it was like sort of four band leaders fighting um for the spotlight you know um and so it was sort of like this lightning in a bottle thing so it was like the the albums ended up being sort of just young brains trying to like apply 
diplomacy within the jam room, but very poorly. <laughs> so it was like it was like a high tension thing, but we we shared certain similarities about like our musical goals, and we all you know we grew up together, so um, you know lived together and stuff. So we were mm. listening to a lot of the same records and stuff. So the harmony sort of was found by accident but it was like a it was a lot of sort of yeah it was it was a lot of like creative tension but in a cool way whereas you know with with uh fur trade the dynamic is more like parker and i don't really have creative tension it's like we're pretty harmonious like if he likes something like i almost always like it if i like something he almost always likes it if i suggest something and he doesn't like it or vice versa the other person usually is like yeah i get why you don't like it and then we move on you know and so it it's more of like a it like in our heads we're we're just like yacht rock you know because it's just all <laughs> failing you know even though musically we're not actually but and then with left field messiah that was yeah. with eric jansen from this band wildling that i was producing in la for for a minute and then and Jeremy um, Rizumna, who plays keys in Fits in the Tantrums. And uh, we met in L.A. and we like decided to make, we made a song together um, in this roundabout sort of scenario, which I won't get into. But basically, we were the guys that always felt like we were working hard in our bands, but we're getting shit on by our bandmates. And we're like, let's like start a band and we'll take like the three chill guys from these three different bands and we'll just make like a, ch a super chill band and <laughs> the songs came together just so naturally and so easily and it was i'm super proud of the left field messiah record because it was like i love the music i love where it ended it up you know both those guys are super talented and yeah it just the music sort of just presented itself really easily over a really short period of time love the natural organic vibe it sounds like maybe what you were saying if I, if I heard you correctly is hot hot heat felt competitive in some ways with your bandmates well not like not so much in the sense that it it wasn't like an aggressive competitiveness it was more just um we were we were just like really young we were from a small a small town on an island and we were like we had something we kind of had a chip on our shoulder we had something to prove to the world a little bit and in a good way like in a way that was creatively fruitful like i like there's a million things that can kind of be the catalyst to to you know basically like devoting your entire life for years to like one project you know and i think it started with this like kind of punk energy and like uh we'll show you kind of vibe to like yeah. i'll yeah to just like a lot of the other the people in our lives and stuff and we i think like we yeah like when i look at like old tv performances from like 2003 and stuff i'm like man it looks like four people that all like want the spotlight but in a really cool way you know whereas a lot of bands there's like the bass player that's chill in the back you know the drummer that's just holding it down steady you know maybe you know the singer is like demanding the spotlight and the guitar player maybe gets the spotlight for a solo you know that's sort of like the template usually whereas like when i look at old footage of us it's like you know the the drum beats are basically like just massive drum fills and like you know like they're like met a lot of it's like from like a background and playing in metal bands but then like converted to pop music at the very last second you know and yeah and then like yeah all the bass lines are like these like really angular pissed off like distorted jagged bass bass lines and he, you know he was like swinging his bass around like a hardcore kid from <laughs> New York or something. and like all the guitar lines were were very 
you know, like it, like he sounded like he was played in, you know, a punk band in like the late seventies or something, mm. um, or maybe mm. like early eighties kind of vibe. And, but he was, you know, also grew up in like the hardcore scene too. So he was like throwing wow. his car around and like, you know, like, like, and I was like jumping off the kick drum and like knocked my teeth out, like probably like yeah. five or six times, like, you know, and like there would be like the I'd get smashed in the head with the guitar, and I'd my face would be covered in blood, and I keep playing, and you know, and like the and the he'd be playing his guitar so hard that like there would be blood all over the guitar. Goodness um, gracious! Been yeah. there, been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know the deal. And then like Paul would, you know, like would just like you know throw his drums off the stage at the end of the set, or you know, and it was like it just was like a crazy energy um, where it's like when you're young there's this thing where you have no idea how you're gonna like enter the adult world you know and you just feel like you're tired of being looked at like a non-contributor to the world as like you know a kid or a teenager or whatever and then when you throw in being from like a small town there's like sort of like an inferiority like napoleon complex i think that can Mm. That sometimes it's interesting also because I perform in a band as well. And I got to say, like, one of the things about your band and the performances I've seen from you, you're a musician. Yes, I will absolutely say you're a musician. But I also feel in a lot of ways, you're an entertainer and a performer. And just like going up there on stage, I think when people would go see Hot Hot Heat and probably your other projects as well. They kind of anticipate more than just the songs. There's a whole show that goes into there. It's it's there was so much that went into your music career from what I've read and seen through videos and so forth. And you guys had so much commercial success. It was kind of insane. And for someone from a small town and as you mentioned, a Napoleon complex it's just, it's incredible. I mean, it's truly incredible to see how much you blew up. Good night, good night, middle of nowhere, bandages. And in a way, I think you can kind of hear a little bit of those like punk and sort of like intense feels than like bandages and some of the earlier songs as well. It does have a little bit more of that edge to it, in my opinion. I also kind of feel the way that maybe the record labels that you were working with at that time and or possibly MTV or some of the other platforms that you were working with at that time may have, I don't know if it almost felt like they were trying to possibly shape you into more of a pop band when I feel like maybe you were like a punk and a pop band and a rock band. You, yeah, there was a lot of elements to it. Maybe even art punk I would throw in there too. Well, yeah, I think there's like, like growing up, I always thought that if you sign to a major label, there's like a boardroom of people and you walk into and they've got their notepads and they're telling you what they want from you and stuff. But it actually was more as, as like we got popular, like I understand how some people could say, oh, it's like, you know, your major label pushed you in that direction. But I think it was just a genuine fascination with like because we obsessed over the Beatles like even when we were at like our most punk we were watching constant you know old footage of the Beatles and interviews and stuff like that and what we always loved about them was that they weren't afraid to admit that they were entertainers like they were there to give something to the audience to to perform and and you know like having played in punk bands for years and like I used to put on you know punk and hardcore shows for years and stuff so I'd just seen like a trillion bands and I was 
I think all of us in Hot You were sort of bored with the attitude of of like, you know, I'm not here to entertain you kind of thing. You know, like mm -hmm. I like it. when I see a band, mm -hmm. I kind of want to be entertained, you know, because it's like you get out of the house, you leave, you know, like you pay money like you're I don't know, like I was always socially awkward. So like if I went to a show like, I, you know, it was going under the assumption that, you know, they were really giving something to me in exchange for paying for the ticket or whatever, you know, and your time and your time yeah. as well. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then so I we just kind of got bored of like this, like looking down at your shoes, because like, you're indifferent, or you're over like the whole whatever vibe was just kind of boring. And even though we didn't connect with mains, like most mainstream music and most kind of pop music, technically, we did love the challenge of trying to make melodic music that still fell under like a threshold of what we our perception of cool was, you know, it was like, it was always is this like on being of the edge is like how how much like catchiness and melody and just like pleasant feelings can we give to people without it ever making us cringe or ever feeling like we're we're sacrificing our values creatively or whatever and so i feel like we were just very in tune with where our threshold of of our threshold of like our perception of cool and cat but also catchy and fun was yeah. relative to where we were at in our, our own evolution. And we always like, we always tried to, to make every song a bit different than the last one, you know, like we, we never at any point were like, oh, well, people seem to like bandages. So let's just do that again. You know, it's like mm -hmm. we never did bandages again. So every song is like a little bit diff different. And because I was never like a trained singer or anything, you could look at the band and be like, oh, yeah, that's that guy singing. So every song sort of sounds like a Hot 8 Heat song. But behind the scenes, there wasn't really like any major label like pulling strings actually it was just us being like what would it be like so when we did um when we did elevator for example we were like what yeah. if we made a rule that every song has to be able to be enjoyable played by a campfire because like we were wow. at the time really into like acoustic guitars and like being around the campfire and stuff so every song though essentially was like you know a singer songwriter song and i <laughs> i never considered myself a songwriter ever um I I was sort of just like yeah we're just like guys that create and something happens at the end of it but we're like what if we actually made songs and and then you know and it affected where we wanted to record and you know um who we wanted to record with and yeah it's like we had a whole thing and then with future breeds we will you know every album was sort of a rebellion from the last album so with future breeds we were we were like, okay, let's do the opposite of happiness limited. Let, let, and so we would just write down like what our values were for that album. And so every song on Future Breeds sort of sounds nothing like any other Hot at Heat songs, but they all sound like a song from Future Breeds. And that's just because of like the, the strict guidelines that we imposed on ourselves. But it, you know, those guide, those kind of like, guidelines that we would impose on ourselves were it was never for like some nefarious reason like you know like gotta keep the stockholders happy you know we were just trying to impress ourselves you know I love that, man. That's that's an interesting take. I wasn't aware of that. And I can definitely hear in your sound transitions for sure. And it does make me curious, where did you find yourself 
mentally, physically, and emotionally when writing the last album, because I really do like all the albums, but I gotta say, Kid Who Stays in the Picture is, I mean, it's so good, honestly. I know I was mentioning it to you before, but I just feel like that song really was kind of the modern hot hot heat and that was exciting like it was cool hearing your sort of evolution or sort of like the new direction that you were going in and within the lyrics within your singing it just feels like you're so serious like I can really feel what you're saying in that song it just I don't know it's like one of those things where it's just like you slam your fist on the table and you're just like I I just grabbing the mic and just being like this is how I feel right now and just yeah oh man you have no idea how happy that makes me <laughs> to, hear, to hear you say that, just that it, to have that sort of impact on even one person. Do you feel that way too? Do you feel that way about yeah. that song? Oh man, it it really was a an emotional period and more so just getting to the point where starting to realize like, okay, if I sing about things that matter a little bit more to me, it won't it won't be cringy or it won't feel like BS, you know, like, and starting, and I think it kind of just seeped into the album, whether I liked it or not, you know, Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just kind of like, because when we, when we, we like made demos for that album for like on and off for a long time. And I, like I kind of hemmed and hawed about, you know, we were all going different directions in life. And it was kind of like, is like, are we about to like all have to get new jobs and like totally just like what's going on? Oh, no. But um, just because I just we, like it just felt like we weren't the same guys anymore. And like we could have kept going, but it just started to feel like pushing a square through a circle too much. So yeah. I just I just said like I I think I gotta just pull the plug on it. But then we had made all these demos and so and I had just finished having like an amazing experience making the first Mounties record. And so Ryan Dahl from Mounties, him and I kind of co made co or co mixed and recorded the first Mounties record. Well, and the second record for that matter. And uh, so I had a really good relationship with him. And I had I had also worked with him on Future Breeds. I, I asked him to mix it. And he was like, well, I'm not really like a mixer per se, but I was just loved his energy. And I was like, I knew he had the talent to figure it out. So we spent eight months mixing that album, which is, you know, wow. a lot of people spend like three days to mix an album. And, it's like, we, and so that like really like, made me fall in love with the like creativity of mixing and stuff. So I I don't know if, whose idea it was. Maybe it was mine. Maybe it was Ryan's. Maybe it was Paul's. But basically, we decided to take the the demos, which was sort of supposed to be the like the next Hot Eight Heat record, but instead re-record them all really quickly in the same room where we did the first Mounties record, just all of us live there. You know, I think I overdubbed the the vocals in a lot of it, but even a lot of the vocals were live too. What has been your favorite music time period that you've been a part of and released music in? And what made some of those times so special for you? Hmm, that's a fun question for sure. There, There's sort of the only period I wasn't 
in love with the state of music for whatever reason was around 2007 and like the Uh around that time like 2006 2007 I was kind of like it was I felt like it you could just the writing was on the wall that guitar music so to speak was on its way out again and it was like I felt like it it really only started to come back around 2002 maybe like 2001 2002 like you know there was like that period where I mean that's at least that's what they called it in the UK was guitar music is guitar music's back Um, (laughs) yeah and uh there's you know everything everything sort of goes in cycles you know it was like okay in another 20 years guitar music will be back again but yeah it was just like the beginning of like dj like laptop culture sort of showing signs that it was about to be creeping in and what and i could just tell it wasn't going to go away anytime soon and you know i love like I consider myself a futurist. I love working on on my laptop. I love using every bit of technology as soon as it comes out um, and applying it to you know music, video, photos, art, whatever. But there was something really fun around that like 2001 to 2006, maybe kind of zone where it just felt like it like classic, you know, like classic vintage sounds from the 60s and 70s and early 80s like those were yeah they were fresh again for whatever reason you know and mm. like that some ways like the 80s has never gone away 70s has never gone away 60s has never gone away but <laughs> it it, yeah. it became like the, like a hybrid of like underground and mainstream at the same time and just felt like everyone was on the same page for a minute so that was a fun period but i also um i really love the state of music right now in some ways just in that it's i think it's a really fun time for music production and music songwriting even at like a beginner's level like it's if you're beginning to make music right now it's a really great time you know there's just so many tools and there's like you know in some ways it's kind of it's it's maybe harder because sky's the limit like there's so many different ways that you can record your own music and write your own stuff and but it's yeah i feel like everyone kind of talks smack on you know digital music production for so many years because you know the same way they talk smack on you know digital filmmaking versus you know film like there's no question that up until a certain point recording on analog equipment just naturally sounded better more easily not necessarily always to tape but like you know in 2002 we were we recorded all of makeup the breakdown to tape you know and same with knock 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 like most of that was to tape i think and it was all just done we did it you know makeup the breakdown we did it in like six or seven days you know with chris walla too right um knock 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 we did three songs with chris walla from death cab and then two of the songs we actually just recorded with this random dude we met out at like a party one night this guy jonathan ayala and I had I had mixed the first two songs on Knock Knock Knock, which is sort of our first sort of like somewhat getting out to the world release. I had just mixed on Cubase on a computer. And this was like in 2001 or 2002. And I had no idea how to mix anything. And Sub Pop was like, yeah, we're just we just think you should put out those songs as is like as your first two songs. Wow. And so and I really had no clue what I was doing. I just downloaded a cracked version of Cubase and just tried it out and it kind of worked and then 
But then we had, we recorded Make Up the Breakdown in like six or seven days. And then Chris Walla, we asked him to kind of tag in and mix some of the songs because he just had really good taste and we knew he would make them sound closer to the the last three songs on Knock, 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 which I thought were kind of the some of our coolest sounding songs at the time. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, like, so even back then I, I had a fascination with digital recording and, but there was, it was obviously worse sounding than recording with analog gear. Whereas now you can make really cool looking, you know, films and music videos with digital and you can make, you can make really great sounding records just completely in the box. Like, I'm surrounded by like tons of analog <laughs> gear and stuff, but I like it at this point. It's kind of like I purchased most of it at a time when like I just didn't think, you know, in the box plugin sounded as good. Whereas now I'm kind of like they sound extremely good and they sound good enough to my ears and they give you the added advantage of like I'll often listen to something in the shower that's a finished mix and be like, oh, actually you know what the we should crank the bass actually in this mix and you know it used to be i would have to come and like patch everything back in to recall it all and i'd be like you know what just leave the bass in that example because i've just like life's too short you can't just keep recalling these complicated mixes whereas when i like i've kind of at a certain point forced myself to just be working in the box because i could just pull up a song at the last second at the 11th hour and crank the bass and like and add a bunch of distortion to it and all of a sudden i realized that makes the song it wouldn't be a good song without that last second decision and so that one little decision probably had like a on the overall impact of that song in this example it made it 40 percent better and so when you're comparing analog gear to digital gear is is analog gear 40 percent better like will it make your song 40 percent better no but having the like the flexibility to just make super quick changes like sometimes i'll pull up like seven mixes in a day and make these super fast little quick changes and that flexibility i think makes for for better art and it benefits the listener in the long run so in my opinion i could maybe i'll change my mind in i love that answer man you know that that was an extended answer but i'm i'm a fan it's good it's Wait. it's funny because you know i was mentioning a little bit sort of your earlier days with knock 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 as well as your debut album too you worked with a lot of very well established record producers and other artists early on which is pretty incredible and even now you're doing that as well as a music engineer i saw that you worked with Diplo and Steve Aoki, which sounds kind of nuts. I'm kind of curious how that experience was. I really want to know about the experience with kind of coming from sort of a more like punk, hardcore background. But of course, I know that you mentioned you have a lot of love for the Beatles and how that sort of translates to recording someone like Diplo and Steve Aoki. And then secondly, I know this is a follow up here, so bear with me, but just early on working with sort of those larger names, did you always anticipate that you were gonna have that level of success or have that kind of connection with like bigger names like that i mean i know that the person that recorded your debut album i can't remember his name jack something but he worked with nirvana and soundgarden which is pretty epic honestly was that sort of like a natural feeling for you or did you just kind of like before nostalgia well, yeah, the the shortish answer would be um, definitely never thought that there would be any possibility of playing music and being able to make that my day job. I never in a million years thought that would ever be a thing. And then and then one day I, I was working at like a 
TV station that had just kind of been built recently. And I and I was going to university and I was like experimenting with all these different potential career directions. And then this TV station gave me like a contract to sign on as like the creative director for the station. And I was like, it was it was basically like a job that I'd be stupid to not take. But I knew that I wouldn't be able to stick with my passion, which was singing mm. in hot heat. And, you know, at the time we kept like going, we're constantly doing like driving as far as we could in time to make it back for university or our jobs or whatever. So we would, you know, go as far as like Calgary and Edmonton and then have to come back and, you know, pulling all nighters and just like freestyling essays and not even having time to spell check them and handing them in. And, Jeez, you know, and, and like also working like four different day jobs just to like have enough money to live. And um, so it was, yeah. it was really crazy, but I basically, and then I got offered this career and this potential career direction. And I was, it was my mom actually was like, you know what? Don't do it. Stick with the band. Let, let's see oh, where it goes. Wow. Up until, that. yeah, up until then, my parents had always been like, you know, supportive, but also like you're spending way too much time on making this like noise, you know, like this <laughs> like thrash, you know, so they were kind of, you know, on my case about spending too much time doing it. And then all of a sudden I had that one vote of confidence from her in an area that in her world, that was crazy for her to say that I should do that. So that was sort of enough for me to be like, I'm maybe I'll see if we can make it a job. And so I just came up with a plan with Paul. I was like, let's stop going out. Let's stop going to like to the bar. Let's stop like, you know, dating girls. Let's let's just stay yeah. and let's just do what the Beatles did. We'll just drink a lot of tea and we'll just send emails and like press kits and stuff to people. Like yeah. We had no idea what the hell we were doing. And then somewhere in there, Sub Pop got back to us and they were one of the only labels that even like bothered replying to us. And that was just like amazing. Wow. Yeah. And that must have been early internet days too, in a way. Yeah. Like, it, I think part of what helped actually was I one of the jobs I got was um, working in like the early stages of like a multimedia room um, at the university. And um, where basically like I was just like paid to just like sit there and answer questions if people had questions because I kind of yeah. was hip to like Photoshop and and like I could just teach myself like Pro Tools and like all these things. And so I got a job there and I was able to, yeah, like cobble together learning how to mix our stuff. And I recorded our first demos and I built, figured out how to build a website. And I was like, it was all animated and stuff, wow. which at the time in like 2001 or whatever yeah. it was, was crazy to have like a site with like these big animations that were like moving when your mouse scrolled over them and stuff and like i had made music videos for us and stuff so like and i knew about photo editing and blah 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 and so i could i was able to make us seem like we had our act together way more than we actually did that's awesome um, that's yeah awesome. and it's that also is. it's also how warner found out about us like he's like yeah i went to your website and uh like I, you you have your personal phone number on it like not a lot of people would do that i was like oh yeah. do I? like you know there was like so many glitches on the site because i was still learning and then he called me and yeah i i just so uh, feel that so much man I'm, I'm sorry i just gotta say like as an artist as well putting your phone number out there who cares like honestly good like that, yeah. that's how 
I feel. I mean, I know that your level of fame is, you know, definitely higher, but like, yeah, at the same time, what difference does it make? Like, just have people call you. Like, totally. You know, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're doing this chat because you, you messaged, you messaged the account and like my girlfriend is, was sort of like, you know, um, she was like, why are you not and like going through these messages more? And I'm like, I, you know, just because I'm busy like creating usually and I, I want to more and I'll go through periods where I like look into it anyway so she started going through like all these messages and you want yours like she was like do you want to do this I was like of course that's awesome um, I, and like that's, thank you, that's Steve's way, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's 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 cool and that's how we got actually you mentioned the Foo Fighters tour I I I somehow got Dave Grohl's phone number at some point because we yeah. borrowed we needed a flight case for an amp and he gave us Kurt Cobain's old flight case for Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was crazy. And he's like, yeah, just borrow it. Uh but like, but you know, like give it back to me like when you're done with it eventually, because it was Kurt's and it's like, okay. Dude, Um, you're like touching that and it's just like glowing and like has this magical sense to it. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was crazy. But then I one day I heard like that they were going out on tour and I just or they were had just finished an album. Um and I Best of You. That was the in your honor, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Totally. I don't know. Like that song, man. I still jam to that song. I mean, it's it's way back when, but it's it's a good one. Oh yeah. No, they're they're great. Um I like we were actually to segue back to what we were talking to. So we were (laughs) such big Nirvana fans growing up that like we, we didn't really have any roadmap as like just small town guys that only knew you know the punk scene we didn't really know what it would look like to get out of victoria on vancouver island where we grew up and so we're like well nirvana signed to sub pop so and so we were like so stoked when we got signed to sub pop and they're like yeah well well nirvana recorded their first album with jack and dino at at this studio and so we're like we want to record with jack and dino like at <laughs> yeah. you know, sub pop was like what no like there we have all these like people we think would be better like phil Eck or even chris walla or that is way suited to your style more and we were like no we want to go nirvana's route mm. and then we were like oh nirvana signed to a major like uh for their second album we want to sign to a major for yeah. and then we want or like and we had all these people approaching us you know and so we sort of had like for a brief period had like pick of the litter and so we we wanted nirvana's booking agent so we got nirvana's booking agent we just what? like yeah and then we're like the, like our label we we prefer to do headline tours just because it's just more fun to play like in a sweaty venue than in like where it's your fans freaking out as opposed to like having to like win people over that aren't there yeah. to see but they were really yeah. like, honest about like you guys have to go on tour with some bigger bands do you lose and- money doing that like if you're like the headliner yeah you usually usually you're it's if you're if you're second of three you're lucky if you're making money if you're first of three you're lucky if you're not losing too much money yeah 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 fair enough and you probably know that yeah but yeah and then they were like why don't you tour with 
American rejects. And I was like, nope, nope, like they're <laughs> crazy. And then they're like, why don't you tour with Green Day? And I, and even though I grew up loving like 1039 and um and what was the one before that? Even Dookie, I loved, I did love Green Day and they used to play Victoria all the time and I thought they were so great. But at that point I was like, they had, they were like blowing up on American Idiot and I was like, there's no way we're touring with Green Day. And they're like, you're crazy. <laughs> and then, but then, and the, they were honest. So that's why I texted Dave Grohl. Cause I was like, well, I got Dave Grohl's number. So I texted him. He's like, actually, that would be sick. Like you'd have to be first of three. Cause Weezer's we already got Weezer on for on the bill. And I was like, yes, you're like, why I dude, that's double headliner. That sounds amazing. Yes. Yeah. Please. Oh, it was such a great tour. And then it's funny in, in retrospect, like it does come up a lot. The shows that we played opening for bigger bands, like it does come up in interviews and in the press, like a fair bit. I'm like, oh man, I had no idea that that would be such like a, a footnote in yeah. band's history. Because if so, like I wouldn't have turned down so many tours. Like we were offered so many great tours, but like the, to me, like wow. the one that, I really liked like touring with Modest Mouse was awesome. We did a ton of shows with Queens of the Stone Age and Oh Josh, what can you just say anything at all like about hanging out with Josh? At, just yeah. anything at all that you can say about totally. Josh. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still will text him every now and again, like about random stuff, and he always gets back to me, which is nice. Like I don't I never bug any sort of famous people I've met along the way. Mm-hmm. Like I never want to be like that annoying guy. So I never like take advantage of it. But occasionally I'll be like, hey, Josh, uh, my, my buddy's in Toronto and like wants to go to the show and he'll like throw him on the list, which is cool. But so true. Yeah, yeah. The there was one night in when we were doing a tour with it was Modest Mouse. It was us and Modest Mouse, Queens of the Stone Age and Smashing Pumpkins on a bunch of shows. And the first night I go down to the hotel bar and Isaac Brock, like the singer Modest Mouse, he was just drinking by himself. So I went up and started chatting with him. And he's like, first thing you need to know about me is I'm an alcoholic. I was like, okay. <laughs> Dude, we just, Jesus. We just started we just started chatting and then Josh Ohm comes over and we pr- I mean in my head we hung out for hours like it was yeah. And he me like, I don't know how long it actually was, but we just hung out at the bar there for ages. And he would like throughout the tour, like just give little tips and stuff. Cause they were, I don't know what he's like now, but they definitely partied pretty hard back then. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Like the yeah. desert days stuff, him and Jesse of, uh, eagles of death metal too you know like like jesse is a wild guy in general as well so like jesse and josh together just seem like i i would watch a documentary on like their tours honestly totally yeah i they are like yeah they're one of those they're in my mind they're kind of the only rock band in the world that isn't a legacy rock band that i can i still consider like a great rock band you know you know not it on like other bands that do rock music and do it well but in terms of like doing what rock is supposed to do which is like it it should never lose it's the punk rock ethos of like pushing the boundaries and and making you a bit uncomfortable and just stretching how far like they evolve and change on each album and it's like Mm -hmm. they've got the best of like like he must be such a production nerd because the records just sound so good so good yeah like even the like little teaser video trailers they've been putting out like in the last month or so are just so so well done you know like whether that's him just 
hiring someone great um he at least knew to hire them you know i don't know <laughs> part of me thinks he's like involved with everything you know and yeah they're just great live performers too you know that's one of my favorite things about releasing music and being part of the music industry as well is the marketing that goes behind it too i have a blast putting out marketing videos and it seems like you do as well yeah i i it's so funny because the entire hot at heat like lifespan i was not into social media. I was not into like self-promotion or anything like that. So like any success we had, it was sort of like, almost like we stumbled into it. But then since then, starting with Mounties and then onwards, and especially with like Left Field Messiah and now Fur Trade, I just, I love having an excuse when the label's like, okay, we need, you know, we need a, a teaser. It's like, okay, let me do it. Let me do it. Yeah. So I, I saw the one you posted two days ago and uh, that looked fun as well. I can't remember which one that was. For a musician that you're working with i forget their name oh yeah what was that anyway regardless yeah we'll have to get um, we'll have to get back to that so touching on all this hot hot heat stuff two questions one is is there anything that you would change in hot hot heat is there something that you wish you would have did differently or you know is there opportunity to make that change i mean i know on the instagram it says there's potential to come back is there potential could we see a one-off hot hot heat show well yeah i mean I feel like odds are odds are decent that it will happen eventually. Um, just because Paul, who's sort of like the other like main original member, he him and I like we were on the phone yesterday, you know, like we're we talk fairly often and he he's kind of curious about about the potential as well. Like he, you know, moved out of the city, he got like became a realtor, he got married. Okay, I was yeah. the best man at his wedding, but then they moved and then he's got two kids and like he he went full on, you know, he was probably like the wildest one of the bunch, but he's like been sober for years and he like, you know, he's just got his professional vibe together in such a crazy way. And it's like in in some ways, like I used to be sort of the band business guy, but I've just like really fallen out of love with that. But I've but I'm still in love with the idea of performing. And I still love the idea of being able to present my own kind of kooky ideas in different ways and stuff. So I could see it happening for sure. I won't I won't say for sure, but and it keeps almost happening. But yeah, we're we're sort of in the midst of parting ways with our manager. So we're kind of reclaiming the band as just him and I. Um, oh wow. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. Um, and so it, it's like a kind of a passive entity. But the other thing, too, was I, I felt really out of touch with social media and stuff, whereas, you know, my uh, my partner, Drew's been like really kind of ex- excited about like helping me out with that and encouraging yeah. me. like, hey, like there's all these people that commented today, like you should respond to them. It's like, oh, wow. Like I just would have missed that before. And totally. it's, it's shown it's really shown me like how much there still is an active fan base and there's like so many people that you know weren't even born when the band was around that now are like really getting into the the records and so there's just so much positive vibes around the band that i'm like i kind of would be a fool to not explore it more and then i know so parker from fur trade like he he was in hot at heat um for the last two records and he's he's been dying to do hot at heat shows oh man yeah so are you the deciding factor are you like the main thing that's yeah it's basically just my fault um okay i i've been like i've just been really in love with 
just like the chapter of the, that I've been in of just creating and creating and just doing all these different projects and not, you know, cause it, it does wear on you like playing, you know, touring is like, it's just hard on your emotions and your body. Even if you love, no matter how much you love the shows, there's still, you know, 22 and a half hours of the rest of the day, which is like, it, it's kind of like people will be like, Oh, did, but didn't you love like seeing the world? It's like, well, if you travel to Europe, you're not like the travel day, like flying to Paris, isn't the fun part. Yeah, It's usually like a, like after the jet lag wears off and like maybe after a couple of days, you have a great day in Paris, but the travel day and the travel day home, isn't the fun part. So touring is kind of, like the travel day six days a week you know what i mean it's a really is like an art to to be able to feel like true joy and energy and enthusiasm when you're on stage after you've been you know traveling all day and then like you're worried about like setting up the technical stuff you know for the show and like blah 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 i'm just those are just random complaints but eventually i I think like none of that's going to bother me i feel like i've grown up so much since then and so it's really just been a matter of am i willing to like stop producing other bands and stuff i do a lot of music videos on the side yeah yeah, and it's like will like the stuff i do for other people is it ever going to have the same impact as like doing it getting hot at heat going again probably not but it's just been a really fruitful period and i i think i i needed to just reclaim my own motivation and love of music because by the end of hot at heat i was feeling out of touch with the joy of like being part of the music biz you know what I mean like I just and yeah I was like could tell I was basically ready to just like quit music in general so I was like well I don't really don't want that to happen so diving into other people's art and kind of being a behind the scenes guy was my little secret way of staying in it long enough to like get excited about my own music again and then this fur trade record um I just it almost didn't come out at like every turn. And then the fact that that it's coming out now has kind of been like years of me wanting to just finally put it out because I in my head, I was like, the world doesn't need a free trade record. The world doesn't need more music from me. Like we Parker and I made these songs out of like passion for the music. And then but now that it's coming out, I'm like, oh, no, this is a it is a great record. And and like there is something magical about fur trade that's so different than hot at heat and so if i can figure out a way for both of those to exist i don't know you know ben is doing it ben gibbard's doing death cab and postal service i oh wow hot heat that's pretty hot hot heat and fur trade double tour you know what honestly even you bringing it up like does inch me like two percent closer to just saying is there going to be a fur trade tour by the way yeah we're we're actually like in the middle of rehearsing for a live show um we're just trying to figure out i because at one point uh steve aoki planted this idea in our head of because he wanted for trade to tour with his like dj show what what the hell (laughs) and but we passed on it because he was like you have to have like a really nimble setup like you need to be able to just like it has to be just the two of you so you can do flights. You don't have to mess around with backline and all this stuff. Like, can you do sort of like a DJ hybrid where like you each play an instrument and sing or something, but then like the rest is like blah, blah, blah. And so he put that seed in our head and we're in the middle of trying to figure out if we can do it as a two piece or maybe a three piece as opposed to, you know, 
like a six piece, which was probably what it would need to be if it was to be done right by old school presentation standards, you know. Would you be doing that tour with Steve Aoki later this year or next year? No, this was this was like <clears throat> this was like back when I around the time that like the song I did with with him had come out and he wanted to he wanted to put out the fur trade at the time, but it just the timing didn't work out. But yeah, like I'll we'll message every every now and again. I I hopped on stage with him once around that time and that was pretty fun and it was like that sounds cool yeah I was just I was hanging with it was New Year's Eve and I it was like he was playing an arena and he was like yeah you should come on stage and I was like okay um and then he just he went into like some song about yeah he just like was like blending other songs on it and so it's like he's on stage in an arena behind his decks I'm just out there like trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do while he's playing this other song so I'm just like freestyling random melodies or something. I can't even remember. And then he goes back to the song. Okay, okay. so I start singing Freak again. <clears throat> it was really weird. And then um, he like had this song. He spun this song called, it had something to do with the word pussy in it. <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah. love and pussy or something i was like okay. <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna sing that and i was just like what up and then i just like <laughs> left the stage um and then i ended up spending like so much of the night like just basically getting drunk in tiesto's green room with T- tiesto and i had i had no idea who tiesto was and there's like all these photos of like my arm around him <sighs> and like eating his pizza and like drinking his red bulls and and stuff and uh and then i found out like later it's like oh yeah tiesto is like a big name it's like oh wow like i i had no idea that's so hilarious man i love that so much steve god damn man that's sick what a story jesus christ oh, dude man. and you know what's interesting too is musicians that are part of like bigger bands i've noticed like you with hot hot heat aaron of chairlift elisa of the naked and famous you know i know a few people dave of tokyo police club you guys all actually have like these just like wild sort of like fine crazy personalities and i actually have been really enjoying just like connecting and like checking in you group like you're you're like the type i don't know like you guys had the songs like you know a few years ago and now you're doing like other stuff and it's just i don't know it's just like live it up you know you're gonna die i'm gonna die too it's just live it to the fullest totally totally yeah like i i've always been sort of addicted to having fun like i need to have fun all the time um (laughs) and and you know like like some people how you interpret that will affect people differently like some people will be like oh sweet so i'll just do drugs all the time it's like well no 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 no. like that's not that's not sustainable i'm talking about i like sustainable fun that's why like i built my own studio you know like i put every penny towards like buying a like a little chunk of property so i could have a sustainable studio yeah stuff like that like i buy like all the equipment that i use like the camera equipment and everything because i don't want just a budget to do a video once like i want to be able to yeah uh, like make videos all the time you know blah 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 and i love like when i go out like you know people like will be playing shows and i'll go hang out backstage and stuff and i just have i hate the thought of someone being like oh that guy was uh pretentious or that guy made me feel small or intimidated yeah. me. i'll be the first to be the biggest goof in the room just to let everyone know like yeah you're not being judged like you can say or do whatever you want this is a safe space just to be i yourself. love that so much 
this really quickly before I forget. How many songs are going to be on the new album? The Fur Trade one, there's, I think there's 10 or 11. I should know okay, that. Okay, cool. And you said September release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. All right, um, we'll, we'll check and in And literally, with that. like, every single song on the record is so freaking good. And I, I normally would not be comfortable to hard sell myself like that, but I think it's just a sign that maybe it's actually that good. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm encouraging you to do the double tour. I really hope that you do the double tour. Hot, hot heat and fur trade i think it's a good idea um thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it man i love your energy and your vibe thanks so much james and thank you so much to steve for coming on steve bays of hot hot heat a band that i absolutely seriously really and truly loved when i was a teenager and even till now i still really love hot hot heat all their songs middle of nowhere bandages let me in oh baby just let me in kid that stays in the picture so many good songs so many good songs by hot hot heat Steve is on Instagram, Steve Bays. He has a bunch of Instagrams for his bands as well. Hot Heat, Fur Trade, Leftfield Messiah, Mounties Band. All can be found on Steve Bays' Instagram. It's in his bio. He has a website, stevebays.com. And on that, there is lots of links to music videos. There's links to songs, Spotify, Apple, you name it. It's on there. Check it out. Steve Bays. Lots and lots of love to Steve. I really enjoyed that conversation. That was one of the funnest conversations I've had in terms of interviewing somebody I don't know. It's just a really good guy. You can tell. Lots of love for Steve. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Let's talk about this product review. Product review. Here we go. Here we go. Why should you keep on listening? You should keep on listening right now. Do not turn this off because of a few words. Ready? Here's the few words. Light crisp refreshing kombucha yum 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 you're like james i'm not a fan of kombucha well you should be because kombucha is absolutely delicious and it's very good for you as well and rowdy mermaid rowdy mermaid is the product that i'm reviewing today they are on instagram rowdy mermaid spelled the way it sounds they have a website it is rowdymermaid.com and if you go to their website they have a store locator on there you can find the closest store to you that has rowdy mermaid beverages sprouts whole foods looks like there's a few other stores as well there's about five in the baltimore area that i can tell maybe a little bit more but i can currently see five as of right now and their kombuchas are amazing amazing a-m-a-z-i-n-g amazing I really enjoyed Rowdy Mermaid's kombuchas. Seriously, I'm not just telling you that because they sent me some boxes. I actually mean it. Like, they really do have good flavored drinks. For example, the Watermelon Bloom. Watermelon Bloom by Rowdy Mermaid. Absolutely yummy, yummy, yum. Delicious. Really good. Has just like a nice flavor to it. Nice, soothing, refreshing flavor. Only 50 calories. Only 50 calories zero grams of sodium how nice is that seriously ask yourself how nice is zero grams of sodium i think it's pretty good as well as let's look at the sugar 10 grams of sugar that's very very small that is very small amount of sugar for a kombucha yes to that yes please i will have more oh wait i did have more i had the hello ginger by rowdy mermaid also really good the roaring pineapple by rowdy mermaid 
very delicious, a scrumptious, yummy pineapple flavor. I'm a big fan of pineapple in general, and I felt it tasted a lot like pineapple. Very yummy, very good. Savory peach. You know, I usually go for another kombucha company for peach, but I might now start grabbing Rowdy Mermaid for the savory peach flavor because it really hit the spot. It was really refreshing. It tasted good. Let's go. Rowdy Mermaid, savory peach. I'm on board for it. And then we had the Alpine Lavender. Also really yummy stuff. Yeah, just a nice lavender drink. Very delicious. And then probably my favorite. I don't know. The watermelon was really good. Like super good actually. But the strawberry tonic was very, very delicious. Very, very good. And... Uh, watermelon or strawberry, I don't know, either or, but both were really delicious, and I enjoyed both of them, so yes, I am going all in on the Rowdy Mermaid here, for real, for real, I thought it was great, and you can find their products by going to RowdyMermaid.com, there's a tab on the right-hand side for products, and yeah, that's where that's going to be found, and then, what do we got next? Well, Rowdy Mermaid was so nice to me, sending me some sodas, they sent me the Rowdy Mermaid sodas, and and it's a good mood kind of day. You gotta love that. Seriously, I really love any embracement of good vibes, good feelings, and them having that on the box. I like it. I think it's cool. Hashtag feel the good mood. I like it. And then the at Rowdy Mermaid, which goes to their Instagram page. Good Mood Soda is on the cans. There is a smiley face with a wink on it. And it's the color of, I guess, the flavor in a way. For example, I'm holding the lemon lime right now. And yeah, color the flavor, really good. Uh, Just a nice bubbling soda by Rowdy Mermaid. 20 calories and how many grams of sugar? Four grams of sugar. That, again, is very, very small for sugar. Seriously, I am trying to really cut out sugar out of my diet as much as possible. And, you know, I do crave a drink here and there. We all do. And only four grams of sugar, 20 calories. I'm picking up the Rowdy Mermaid lemon line. That's what I am doing. And then what else do we have? We have the orange, we have the grape, and we have the cola. All of them very low sugar, all of them very low calories, all of them very refreshing. Yes, Rowdy Mermaid. And they also, if you go to the website, it has the origins, meet the crew, events, rowdy news and so forth it's really professionally done honestly it's a really cool website and they launched back in 2012 by their founder jamba dunn and i believe what did i see that it was in boulder colorado i want to say i know that i was speaking to one of their reps and I believe that I did see Boulder. So I'm going with that. And I think that it's really cool. I think it's a beautiful cans. I also think that the scenery on this website is really nice. It's like this beautiful like mountain-esque image on the website. Nice lake. And what else do we got here? What else? We're going to just go around a little bit. And women's empowerment as well. We are a proud signatory of the Women Empowerment Principles, WEPS established by the UN Global Impact and UN Women. Women's equality and women's empowerment in the workplace and community being WEPS signatory is a clear message of support 
for fostering practices that empower women in the workplace and community. That is awesome. Love that. Honestly, we need more equality. Pride and gender equality as well as on the website. Diversity and inclusion as well as sustainability. Values are really important. The website's very beautiful. There's a lot of really cool images of the cans and some plants next to the cans as well. And yeah, just one more time, I really thought that the flavors were really delicious. Uh, Easy drinking kombucha, curiosity, cool flavors combo, always light, never a vinegary bite, sustainably sourced and and botanicals designed for specific health benefits, 10 grams of or less of sugar, caffeine-free varieties, non-alcoholic. Love it. Very, very much love it. Big shout out to Rowdy Mermaid. Thank you so much, Rowdy Mermaid, for sending these products. I thought that they were very delicious. So I want to talk about something else now. I want to talk about live. I want to talk about Collective Soul, Filter, Laughing Colors, Local Orange, 311, Cold War Kids, Silver Sun Pickup, the Airborne Toxic Event, Lit. We are scientists, Chris Young, Kip Moore, Larry Fleet, Priscilla Black, The Brothers Moore, South 62. And what do all of those artists have in common? You're asking me, you're like James Richard Lane. What do all of these artists have in common? Well, I will tell you, they were all sharing the same lineup at Let's Go Music Festival last weekend, which I had the absolute pleasure to go to. And I started off that weekend by seeing Local Orange and Laughing Colors two really great bands really enjoyed their sets especially local orange i thought that they were amazing amazing local orange really really good laughing colors was really good too the festival had a very 90s nostalgia to it in general like the entire festival just felt like a time machine going back into music from like 30 years ago and that's something that i can really appreciate i actually really admire that in a lot of ways it felt different it felt unique you know opposed to the sort of the standard of what's popular what's exciting what's thrilling it actually went back to some you know distant memories and made me remember some songs that i used to listen to when i was in high school and a few of those songs that I definitely listened to when I was in high school included Hey Man, Nice Shot, Take a Picture, Can't You Trip Like I Do, all by Filter. And seeing Filter live was sweet. Richard Patrick is the front man of Filter. He used to be in Nine Inch Nails, and he gave a shout out to Trent Reznor on stage when I was seeing them at Let's Go Music Fest for helping him out get his start in the music industry and i think that that's pretty awesome honestly i think it's really cool to kind of mention someone with such prestige as trent Reznor of nine inch nails you know trent was a big figure especially within the industrial music scene till like even now i mean they're a little bit more mainstream but i still feel like they have that raw edge to them and filter certainly did as well and then collective soul went on after filter and they were so so good really the front man of collective soul is very eccentric he has his own vibe going on and i absolutely love it my go-to karaoke song is shine by collective soul and they certainly played that whoa heaven let your light shine down gotta let it shine it was awesome it was so good just them playing the main stage they played that song they played heavy the world i know december 
where the river flows. They had kids come up on stage and they started dancing with the members of Collective Soul. And the singer of Live, I can't remember his name, the singer Live went on stage and he sung a song with Collective Soul. It was an REM cover and man, did they slay. It was awesome. And Collective Soul, just another one of those 90s bands that you know the songs, but you might not recognize the name and you definitely should start remembering this name but i would say all in all the songs really hit hard and it's just the vibe just the general vibe that they give lots of happiness lots of joy and i cannot go on without giving the shout out to live l-i-v-e seeing them live no pun intended even though that is a little bit funny they put on such a performance as well And again, it's one of those bands you might not recognize the name, even though maybe you should, but you definitely would probably recognize the songs if you heard them. Lightning Crashes, I Alone, Selling the Dreams, All Over You, The Dolphins Cry are some of the really big songs and the songs that you may know. Uh, Throwing Copper is the name of the album from most of those songs that I just listed off that came out in 1994, and they played them, and boy, did they deliver. The front man of live absolutely slated as well. The whole band was great, but the front man just really had that front person energy to where they're just on there, and they're putting on the show, and everyone's feeling it. The crowd is connecting. They're singing along to all over you, all over me really fun time really great experience and that was friday seeing all those artists i believe that was on june 2nd 2023 they put on such a show what a great friday absolutely loved it the next day saturday june 3rd i got to see we are scientists for like the 20th time they played the great escape nobody moves they played a lot of their songs off the lobes their new album uh they did a lot of stage banter as they always do just really great performance lit went on after we are scientists wow it was so fun seeing lit it was actually a really really good experience because that is a band that i am very nostalgic over because because of their hit single my own worst enemy which is such a great track you know that track everybody knows that track that guitar riff is so infamous and seeing that live just brought the energy the singer was drinking out of a wine bottle on stage it was ridiculous but it was also really cool and i don't know they just knew how to connect to the audience and made people feel welcomed and wanting to dance and just have the overall like fun crazy wild experience and lit just really brought that so yeah really really enjoyed that i walked around the festival a little bit got some snacks got some water got to just kind of check out see the games that were going on some cornhole there were some other games and do a little bit of people watching uh there was definitely some fun things going on like some people had 311 jerseys there was some cool let's go music festival sort of artwork and sort of just installations and all that stuff and yeah, they also had the golden bathrooms, which were like these like golden throne bathrooms, which were really fun too. So that was kind of amusing. I don't know. And then I came back and I got to see the Airborne Toxic event. And I wasn't too, too familiar with them. I know that I've heard the name a few times. And then they performed the song sometime around midnight. Oh my God. Oh my God. That song live was so good. Like literally so so good sometime around midnight by the airborne toxic event wow 
um yeah i definitely heard that song before too so when they were starting to play it i was like oh yeah i know that song and i think that this festival kind of crafted that general vibe in general is sort of like you know the songs you might not recognize the name of the artist per se unless you were born in the 90s or before the 90s but you definitely know a few of the songs and seeing them perform sometime around midnight such a good performance and i could just absolutely feel that i was connecting pretty hard to it honestly and speaking of connecting hard i had the chance to connect pretty hard to silver sun pickups as well silver sun pickups put on an amazing performance i remember like really getting into them when i was like 15 or 16 or something like that and they first came out with their single lazy eye that was such a popular song like what like 2005 2006 something like that i think and they performed it live and it brought me back it brought back some really awesome memories of just seeing that song live i was like okay i can totally feel this they played Panic Switch as well, which is another one of their hit songs. They played Substitute, which was another great song. And yeah, just great experience. There's also a female in Silver Sun Pickups, and she performed lead vocals in a few of the songs as well, which I thought was pretty neat too. Um, Cold War Kids were to follow that, and Cold War Kids have so many hit songs. I kind of couldn't believe it i was really surprised by how many of their songs they knew i was like wait i know this song i know this song i know this song and some of the songs of course include first hang me up dry which is obviously like one of their biggest if not biggest song by cold war kids miracle mile which is my favorite song by cold war kids just the beautiful piano and just like a really fun optimistic song i don't know really good song really love it love is mystical great great song great hit single a lot of people singing along to that so tied up the crowd was dancing they were moving fun time and speaking of hit songs we definitely cannot talk about hit songs without talking about 311 because it felt like their set was just only hit songs which is awesome and i mean that in such a positive way seriously 311 have hit after hit after hit song and it was great amber beautiful disaster all mixed up down love song i remember i believe it is love song it might be amber what's one of them was in the movie 50 first dates and uh i was so excited when i was like what 14 or 15 and hearing that song on there i was like okay i can feel this and they just brought the funk the bass is so good they just they know how to get that rhythm get people dancing to their music is something i really enjoy about 311 and seeing them live and then the next day sunday which is june 4th 2023 seeing chris young kip moore larry fleet priscilla black the brothers moore south 62 it was kind of more like the country music day you know i think all of them really brought the sound all had great energy uh chris young a very notable country star kip moore as well and larry fleet yeah i mean all of them are pretty well established i would say and yeah i mean definitely just a good vibe really family friendly and just everyone was dancing great music lots of good drinks lots of great food and uh yeah just grateful to have been at let's go music festival and you can find out more by going to letsgofest.com Thank you to everyone that tuned in. If you have any questions, feedback, or recommendations of who I should have on my show next, reach out to me on Instagram at James Richard Lane or Twitter, James Lane, Lane with two E's. Have a great week, and as always, please support 
your local animal shelter. Goodbye.